Welcome to the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. We have a ton of great Oregon State content coming your way. Let's get this thing started. Adam, my man, another great day for a podcast. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's just a great day to be a Beaver, though, isn't it? It is, man. We had some uh, some big news, some good guys committing to Oregon State. It's about time. We've been talking about potential guys on this podcast for too long, but now we can talk about some commits. I'm excited for it. Adam, so what's up, man? Let's talk a little bit about these guys. Definitely. Hey, we kind of touched on the two official visitors from last weekend. They're now amongst the committed list. Joining John Miller uh, as future bees, we have three-star quarterback Ben Goldbrinson out of Newberry Park um, and high three-star wide receiver Zariah Beeson out of Duncanville, Texas. I tell you what, man, these two kids are perfect additions to this class and really getting this ball rolling for coach Smith and the rest of the staff as they continue to find the next group of uh, future bees. It's really impressive what they've been able to do in landing both of these young athletes. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, I think for them as in the coaches, it's a little reassuring, right? And we always want to think coaches have a hundred percent confidence all the time, but I mean, and I think a lot of people all around, you know, and even myself at times, I won't lie to you guys, I was a little confused of kind of how they were going about their recruiting. I was like, okay, well, we have all these visitors. We have a lot of kids that are interested and they're interested, but what is that final step to have them commit, right? What what does Oregon State need to do to kind of seal that deal? And whatever they did or whatever, you know, whatever Coach Smith said and the staff said to these guys, they believed it and they really did. And so it's huge. It's a great thing. You know, we finally got, you know, the like you said, Adam, the ball is starting to roll. And you hope that we can just keep building, building, and building. But I think now, you know, it, it just gives some extra confidence that, okay, what we're doing is finally paying off or what we're doing is paying off because it's resulted, obviously, in two commits. So, I mean, it's, it's huge. Adam, I know you're excited. I was super excited because, you know, especially about that Soraya guy because – what did I say? I was like, this is a musket kid. You get him, and, I mean, the ball just keeps rolling with some great players. And even people like Marcus Wheaton, Brandon Cooks, I mean, they're not just doing it just to do it. I mean, these guys probably have 100,000 things they would they could be doing other than watching a kid's film and saying, whoa, this kid's going to be good, right? So that is huge. Yeah. And, I mean, they really did that. So if you're, you know, if you're a Beaver fan – be excited. This is exciting news because you have some of the best receivers that have ever, you know, stepped foot on campus are looking at this kid and say, oh, yeah, this kid's going to be a beast or this kid's going to be good. When I saw that on Twitter, I was like, whoa. I was like, hold up. Are we talking about the same dude? We are. I was like, dope. That makes me happy because yeah. then, you know, it makes me feel a little better, too, that I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke at anybody. <laughs> I, it, it reassures me that I think I know what I'm talking about. So that's. That's really exciting, Adam, and and you know it's it's good it's a good step for the football program. Completely agree, and I mean Ben was getting hit up by Johnny Hecker too. I mean you look at these guys who are in the NFL and they're recognizing this is not only the next generation coming up, 
they are kind of the next generation that's going to be at Oregon State and then possibly move it on to the NFL. So it's really remarkable to kind of see. And also just looking at it from the transition, from Gary Anderson to Jonathan Smith, we didn't get this kind of interaction from our guys in, in the NFL beefs. Yeah, They didn't. They, they they weren't involved in the program. It's it's so great to see these big names and uh, guys who have found success not only at Oregon State but beyond coming back and being this heavily involved in the, the program. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, you know, if we want to kind of look about or look at the uh, Ben and Zariah's kind of just a, a glossing over of their recruitment, how that's kind of led them to Oregon State, um, we can talk about Ben, who's had an interesting, uh, you know, kind of story here. Um, he played behind, or he's from Newberry Park down in California. Uh, he originally committed to Cal uh, before his junior year. This past fall, he suffered a, a knee injury that kind of forced him to miss some games, miss some time. Came back, wasn't quite the same type quarterback um, that he was earlier. I think he might have rushed back in his recovery, tried to get back to, to make an impact to help his team move on. Instead, it just it just didn't feel right. Uh, he's had a very impressive spring so far. He actually backed off his commitment to Cal uh, back in February, opened things up. Coach Lindgren was immediately in conversations with him, in contact, and uh, it led to him coming up on an unofficial visit for the spring game and junior day activities that uh, the staff hosted uh, last month. Coming out of that weekend, he didn't have an offer yet, but he he got home, had a day. Coach Linger called him, uh, extended that personal offer over the phone, and quickly an uh, official visit was set up for the last weekend. Um, things were kind of progressing towards or looked good for Oregon State um, as he continued through and leading up into this weekend, and they were able to seal the deal with him and earn his commitment. Uh, great young man. Uh, spoke uh, Lucas Aguilar, our other recruiting analyst here at Beaver Blitz, was able to catch up with him and speak with him in depth. Look for that article on Beaver Blitz right now. It was up yesterday, uh, but it, a lot of good stuff in there, and I really think that this is going to help um, get the ball rolling down in the L.A. area and SoCal, that southern section, as they continue to uh, look for an emerging presence down there on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, when we say get the ball rolling, I mean, at least from a player's standpoint, is there's kind of there's kind of just something about you seeing guys, you know, raising their interest in, in a school, right? And so say they go somewhere like Oregon State, they take an official and say they like it or they don't. Word's going to get out that, you know, that's how it goes. Right. And and it's a Twitter thing. It's a social media thing in general. But also it's just the fact that, you know, if you're getting recruited at a high level like Division One, you know, you don't want to go somewhere where you're not going to fit. And I'm trying to go with this in a way that kids talk. Right. Recruits talk. So you, mm-hmm. you always see the whole, you know, they 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 mingle, intertwine, all that. And then, you know, some guys are like, okay, I'm going to take an official there. They go there, and then, I don't know, maybe they go back, tell their friends, tell somebody, whoever they're talking to, hey, that place is pretty This is pretty cool. Check it out, right? And so I'm not saying these two you know, are out here trying to sell everything Oregon State is, but just in general, you see you know, you know, see these guys, especially someone like Zariah, who who has some pretty, pretty phenomenal offers, and so does Ben. They have some pretty great offers all around, and so you see that, and you see that they're getting interest, but then you see, you know, you see them commit to Oregon State, 
And that's not a bad thing by any means. But I'm saying you look down the list, you're like, okay, they have a lot of good offers. Oregon State's a good offer as well, but they chose Oregon State. So now it's going to make other people who are interested in Oregon State or might who or who might get an offer from Oregon State, it's going to kind of raise their eyebrow and say, okay, well, mm-hmm. if this kid had you know an offer from Kansas State or LSU, why do you choose Oregon State? What what is Oregon State? What they do to put them over the top? Something like that, right? And so that's why it's exciting because it's something to build off of, man. It really is, and you know we can't, or at least I can't stress that enough. That that's huge, absolutely huge. I remember when Jordan Villeman committed to Oregon State. Um, you know, in a way, I was like, really, I might want to go there, <laughs> right? I, and because yeah. I just, you know, I talked to Billy a little bit, and I was like, man, what's up? He's like, the coaching staff's great. Man, these guys are going to be good. I'm excited, right? I, you know, Brandon yeah. Cooks is a great player. Marcus Wheaton's a great player. I kind of just want to be around a team like that. And then from there, it rose my interest level. I was like, whoa, okay, hold up. Well, I want to take an official there. Took an official there, blah, 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 long story short. Ended up at Oregon State, right? It's just sometimes it's just it's kind of like a domino effect. So it's exciting to see. But, uh, Adam, in a way, I just kind of want to get your thoughts of how important these two commits are just in general because, you know, like I said, I think they have some pretty solid offers from other schools. But, you know, this is so significant right now because, especially quarterback-wise, you know, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think this might be the first back that Coach Smith has got, right? Am I wrong? This is the the first prep quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they added Jack Coletto as a JUCO yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, during his first recruiting cycle. Um, but, no, actually, Goldbrinson is one of the highest-rated quarterbacks to ever pledge to Oregon State. So, right there, you kind of have – an inkling as far as his talent level. Um, he had five offers when he committed uh, earlier this week. Uh, Cal, Arizona State, Kansas State, San Jose State had already offered, but he was receiving interest from Boston College, San Diego State, and the uh, the pirate of the Palouse was actually in contact with him, a uh, coach uh, up there at Wazoo. So, you know, it speaks to his abilities that he was really, even though he missed a lot of time last year as a junior, he was still gaining momentum on the recruiting trail this spring. Kansas State had only offered like three days before he left for his uh, official visit last week. So I think getting him on board is pivotal because, A, it's bringing on a quarterback. B, it's a highly rated quarterback. C, it's, uh, you know, he Newberry Park's right down there in the Thousand Oaks area down there in the SoCal region. So he's able to play against uh, a high level of, uh, competition, and he's he's a recognizable name, so hopefully he's out there um, doing that peer recruiting like you're talking about with uh, Jordan Villeman. That's uh, that's really common that we hear uh, of athletes doing that, reaching out, hey, I'm up there, this is what I really like, at least give us a shot. And, you know, he's already singled out uh, Jake Overman, the tight end out of Servite that we talked about ad nauseum here on the podcast. We talked about him extensively in the lodge. Um He's already on him trying to get him to, you know, uh, build the dam as well. So I think the importance for Goldbrunson is is kind of threefold. Quarterback, highly rated quarterback, and then the region that he's from. Yeah. Conversely, you, you look over at uh, Zariah Beeson. Yeah, he's out of Texas, and we've had such a great pedigree of bringing phenomenal athletes who might be kind of under-recruited up to Oregon State and having them find success. You need to look no further than the Rogers brothers or Storm Woods in mm-hmm. recent memory. Uh, Zariah is a different beast, though, when you compare him to those three athletes. Uh, Zariah had 23 offers. This is the commit that's really kind of put Oregon State on the map, on the national 
scale. Um, I mean, he's got a who's who's offer sheet, Utah, Arizona State, Arkansas, Baylor, um, LSU, Florida, Illinois was a school that he was looking really hard at, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan State, Nebraska, um, Vatek had offered. So you start looking at, you know, the 23 schools that he had offers from, and he chose Oregon State. As even though he's rated as a three, a high three star in the uh, the composite ranking, I think our our uh, rivals on the other side have him listed as a four star. Um, it, it speaks to hey, we aren't afraid to go outside of our footprint uh, as Oregon State, go outside of the Pac-12 footprint and go get a kid uh, that we really want. And to to land a kid who's has as much talent as Zariah. Uh, with that offer sheet, it, it really moves Oregon State to the national uh, on the national scene, and so hopefully you're you're making that recognizable leap, and uh, you're hoping that attracts attention from fellow athletes as well. So you know, with Zariah, then it's it's really about that national prominence um, and kind of getting that him in the limelight there uh, for Oregon State. But, hey, enough talking about his recruitment. Let's kind of rehash what his abilities are on the field. Marcus, you ready to go next level? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, Zariah Beeson. Adam, I'm excited for this one. I remember saying a couple weeks ago when I broke down his film that this is a must-get for Oregon State. I'm telling you, I'm so excited for the Beefs to get him. But what stands out to me the most, and – you know, most of the time when you when you look at receivers, guys are, you know, it's the flashy guys, right? It's the crazy one-handed catches. It's the how many people they make miss by the time they get the ball. Don't get me wrong. He has those, he has those, you know, those traits, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I want to I wanna hit on something first because um, I think Coach Smith is, like we've always said, he's kind of trying to find some different guys, more we guys instead of me guys. And what is more of a wee guy than a wide receiver who will block downfield? My goodness, Adam, I am so excited for it. A kid who is just, anytime you can find a receiver who wants to be the aggressor, the hammer and not the nail, I absolutely love it. For people who don't understand how big that is, there's there's been a handful of times I remember getting the ball, right? You get through the first line, you get through the second line, but then what do you have to do? It's either a foot race or... Or you have to make a guy miss an open field, especially when it comes to a safety, a corner, because they'll be obviously deeper down the field. But finding receivers that can block, they spring these huge, and I'm talking absolutely huge runs, big plays, everything along the lines of that. If you have a wide receiver who's willing to come down, either make a a crack block, right, or who's just willing Mm -hmm. to kind of put his head down and get nasty, man, and go for that safety and say, I'm going to take this guy out of the play completely, right, and just bang it. That's the kind of things that you see. That's how you spring those long Jamar Jefferson AP runs, especially like we saw against Ohio State. What uh, Timmy Hernandez, I thought, and Isaiah Hodgins did a great job of doing was blocking downfield. And the blocking downfield is just so important. That's what they did, and that's why AP had those long runs we can go back and break down the film. There was, there's guys who could, who you know, I said that if AP gets the top speed, nobody's catching him. But there's guys who could have came close. I mean, let's not mm-hmm. kid ourselves. That's Ohio State. They're getting guys who are first round draft picks, top ten, top fifteen draft picks, right? Especially at the defensive yeah. back position. But what made AP get those two long runs? Jamar Jefferson, I'm pretty sure had at least it was at least 30, 40 yards. Was um, 
it was a blocking downfield. They made the first line of people miss, maybe juked out one other guy. But then from there, it's a foot race with the defensive backs and the and the safeties and the corners. They were blocked because of our receivers. So that's huge. I see Beeson being just like that, being a guy who's going to put in the extra effort on the film. There were so many times where they do a lot of QB um, sneaks and QB runs where he was in high school. He was blocking downfield. He was taking guys completely out of the play. I think there was one play he took two guys. I don't even know how he took two guys, but he did, especially in <laughs> Texas football. It's huge. I absolutely love it. But, Adam, another big thing, you know, kind of shifting gears away from the blocking is I like to say he he controls his pace, which creates the space. I said that in the last episode that we had when we talked about Beeson, but, you know, just the fact that he knows kind of how to create that separation without, you know, without doing the most, I should say. And a lot of guys, you see a lot of receivers, especially on, you know, say a fade route. What do you do is you sprint out. You know, a lot of guys think you just sprint out as fast and as hard as you can. And then from there, you hope that you're just faster than the, than the defensive back. No, because he already has a leverage on you, so that's not going to work. So instead, what he does is maybe he starts off slow, maybe he starts off fast, but he just controls his tempo. Maybe he'll start off slow, speed it up, slow it down kind of get the DB asleep and then explode out of it, right? Or vice versa, he goes fast, then slows down, then whatever, right? Regardless, he can control mm-hmm. his pace, and which creates a space. I know Stephon Diggs says that all the time. Chad Johnson said that all the time. And another thing I really like about Beeson's game is on most of his highlights on his film was just screens, right? And what does that tell you is he's a guy that you just say, get him the ball and let him do the rest, right? Get him the ball and he'll find the right lanes. And he does that so many times. It was, I mean, it's phenomenal. You can see why these these places want a kid like this because anytime you can get a guy who's, you know, uh, just get him a hitch, right? Or just get him a slant or just get him a screen. Basically find ways to put the ball in his hands, because then from there he could take off and do what he does. That's super big, mm-hmm. right? And and maybe people don't always look at it like that. Maybe they think, okay, well, maybe he's not a great route runner. Maybe he doesn't have the best hands, so you have to do something kind of basic. No, it's the fact that he's that good, and what you do is – and a lot of the time on the film he was getting double teamed. There's two DBs in his area the whole time. So, okay, if they're going to try to scheme away from that and make sure he doesn't get the ball downfield – then what do you do? You get the you give him the ball behind the line. Then from there, he's going to make the guys miss. So many times, he's just juking guys out, finding the right lanes, exploding through the holes, picking up every time he catches that screen ball. It looked like 15, at least, bare minimum 15 yards. It's super huge, man. I really love this kid's game. I will say this, though, like I said um, a couple episodes ago, was I want to see him work on running north and south, planting his foot, getting vertical. It'll happen. It'll absolutely happen with the way Coach Smith and, and their offense is designed, but I get it. It's it's so fun putting guys on highlights, right, with the whole back jukes, uh, jump cuts, everything along the lines of that, right? You you just want to make guys miss, and he can do that, but I just want to see it be more north and south. It'll save his body. It'll save him energy, and it'll keep him on the field longer because you run you know east and west, sideline to sideline, and – not only is he going to get tired, but the coaches might get frustrated. But it, it'll change, right? It just happens because he's that much more talented than a lot of his competition, making it easier for him to make kind of those big highlight plays and try to circle all the way around a defense compared to, you know, just playing their foot, getting vertical. But that being said, love the kids' game. Adam, I'm super excited, man. Like I said, this is a guy that Oregon State had to get, especially with the rough week they had last week. Getting a guy like this kind of just, you know, makes Oregon State and their fans kind of pump out their chest a little bit. Like, all right, 
dope. Yeah. Right? We we might have lost, you know, Alfieri and Philkins, and, and who knows? Maybe they can, maybe they can flip them. But that being said, you pick up a guy like Beeson, and my goodness, man, your offense is looking. Not only is it looking more explosive, there's depth. There's a lot of depth. I have no doubt in my mind that if he, if you get him on campus, he could play right away, like without yeah. a doubt. Especially if you're physical, that's kind of what separates you, and that's something that everyone thinks it's all about your route running hands, how much big plays you can make. Like I said, it really is. But in the NFL, they love, and I mean absolutely love, their receivers who can block. That's that's yeah. If you can block as a receiver. I think your stock goes through the roof. And so I'm excited for this kid, big physical receiver. Really is about that life. I love it. He's a dog, has the dog in him. And uh, that's all I got to say, Adam. The kid's a freak. Hey, definitely. And, you know, you do such a great job of breaking down his film. I know that there was some concern inside the lodge about his production last year. Um, And for those of you who aren't part of Beaver Blitz, I just want to address that real quick. So, Zariah transferred into Duncanville this last summer uh, prior to his junior year from Bishop Dunn. Duncanville is traditionally a top national program. Uh, They competed in the essentially the winner of the North Shore Galena game when they played them in the Texas State Championship game last fall. Uh, Whoever won that game was going to come out the national champion for last last year. Um, Unfortunately, Duncanville ended up losing on a Hail Mary. Um, But for Zariah, Coming into this program during the summer, it's it's hard to pick up on scheme. It's hard to pick up and into the the uh, mentality of the, the the program and really find his role. Um, so that's why I think his numbers were a little down. He also had a, a, his cousin was playing in front of him, Marquez, who's a 2019 signing with Illinois four star, and there was a couple other kids playing in front of him. So I really expect him to take that next leap and be a big time contributor for Duncanville this next year. So with that said though, we got a little bit special uh next level coming up next as we talk about Ben Goldbrinson. Marcus, I hear this right, you got a guest coming on? Absolutely. We have my former quarterback Daryl Garrettson hopping on. He's gonna break down uh Ben's film as well. We're both gonna kinda go back and forth and just kind of see what Daryl sees. All right, we are going to go next level. Instead of it just being me, we are now joined with my man, the one and only Daryl Garrettson, former Oregon State quarterback. Daryl, what's up, my man? Appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's a uh, it's uh, it's a great honor to be on the show with you, my main man from uh, back from Oregon <laughs> State. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Hey, so um, I don't want to ruin his name. It's it's been. Gold, gold. I can't even say it right, man. I don't Goldbrinson, want... come on, man. Gold, come Goldbrinson. On, man. I, I, know. <laughs> I know, man. I don't want to butcher it, but hey. Um, so what I, you know, when I broke down this film and next level, just to kind of uh, let you know, we kind of just break down a kid's film. Um, I just kind, you know, I kind of just give my thoughts and what I think he is very good at, kind of how he can fit into the offense, and then just maybe a thing or two that he could work on. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know. I know football pretty well, but it would be nice to have, you know, a quarterback come on and just kind of talk about maybe his mechanics, maybe what you see in his game that you like, maybe stuff he has to improve on. But, um, you know, Daryl, kind of just give us uh, your, you know, your thoughts on him, kind of what you think his strengths are, his weaknesses. I said he had a strong arm, plays well with his eyes. Um, I said he needed to work on maybe his throwing mechanics, but you can kind of just go in with us and, uh, you know, just 
give everyone your kind of two cents. Yeah, man. So I, I got a chance to break down Ben's uh, Ben's highlight film. Um, obviously, when I break down a kid, I'd like to look at their, their game film, and, and that way I can see how they progress throughout a game. Because as a quarterback, that's, that's really important, and, and everybody knows um, – you know, you you can look great on a on a highlight film. You yeah. know, everybody can look great on a highlight film. You know, absolutely. Um, but 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 taking away from what I saw in his highlight film, man, the, the kid throws a good, great touch, mm-hmm. and uh, great great touch is hard to teach. You know, there's there's some guys that bullet everything, um, and 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 they really struggle. You know, throwing with touch, and and this kid can really throw with touch. He he stretches the ball down the field a little bit. Um, but also what I, what I like from, from a quarterback coach perspective is this kid plays with a great base. I mean, if you, if you watch his, his highlights, he's very much into his legs. And for a big guy, and it says he's 6'3", uh, you know, for big guys, that's really important. Big guys tend to play higher. They tend to not be in their legs as much, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which, can cause, which can cause inaccuracy throughout a, quarterback, uh, throughout a quarterback's time. Um, you know, throughout a game, you know, not being in your legs, not having your base, not having your feet set, um, you know, you can get yourself into trouble there. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I see from him is, you know, he's got a great base. He sticks his drops, which means he throws on timing. And throwing on timing is a huge thing at the next level, even more, even more when you get to the NFL and stuff too. But, um, you know, throwing on time is, is important, and it starts with your drop. Um, you know, a couple, a couple other things I saw uh, – I saw from him is that, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys in high school, when they create and get out of the pocket, a lot of guys create to run. Mm-hmm. It, uh, ben, Ben really creates to throw. He's got his eyes downfield. He's scanning the field. He's, uh, he's making re- great decisions as he's throwing on the run, yeah. you know, and, and, and he's looking downfield. He's not looking to make the play with his feet. He's looking to make the play with his arm. And that's a, uh, that's something that's pretty special. I think not a lot of quarterbacks do that. A lot of quarterbacks will see open space, see green, and go green. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and especially, um, you know, just to chime in, it, it seems like now the way kind of college football is going is everyone's kind of going away from the, you know, quote-unquote traditional quarterback who's more of a pocket passer, right? You want – a lot of the teams want to find guys who um, can really use their legs, right? And, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I always think it's good to, you know, keep a – you know, keep a defense honest in a way. So they know you can run. They know you can throw, right? It's just a way to keep them, you know, honest, like I said. But I really like that about his film is the fact that it looks like he he's a throw-first guy. And once you get to college, and you can speak on this as well, Darrell, obviously, since you played the position. But, you know, quarterbacks, man, you can't, you can't be running every play, right? You're going to get hurt eventually. And especially when you're escaping the pocket, I feel like you're really exposed. And, you know, the more you expose yourself, the more, you know, defensive players are going to want to try to obviously take your head off, my man. But I just want to throw in my two cents there. But keep going, man. You're on a roll. Yeah, no, man. And, and I totally agree. Um, you know, and, and as you get older, it's funny. Even what, what I call it, it's called uh, – I call it just enough athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's just enough to keep a defense honest. You don't need – in the college game, you really don't need a guy that can pull – and go for 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need a guy that can pull, go for five, maybe for 10, get out of bounds. But guess what that does? It keeps that defense honest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and obviously having the, th- having the threat to take a, you know, to take a, a zone read 60 is great. But is that what the coordinator is really looking for? No, not at all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but, you know, and, and also looking at his film, um, you know, what I see as far as negatives come, 
Uh, obviously, you know, you got to – with positives comes a little bit of negative. Um, you know, you said his arm strength was positive. I think it's something he can work on, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I see in his ball sometimes, especially down the seams, is the ball dies a little bit. The ball kind of, you know, tails down a little bit. But I think that's something that's easily that, – that Wolf see a difference from his junior year to senior year, uh, senior year film. I think you'll see more zip on his ball Yeah, um, coming up into this year. But, uh, you know, something, something to fix, too. Um, he's, he's got a long release. He's got a really long release. Um, but like I said, those, those are easy fixes though. You know what I mean? As, as a quarterback, as a quarterback coach, um, and, and I'm sure he's got a, a, a private guy that he goes to, um, mm-hmm. up in, uh, up in California that I'm sure he, you know, sees all the time that it, that's something in emphasis that he's probably, you know, looking after is, is making sure I have a quicker release. Um, you know, from my junior to senior year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's something that really I only pulled, you know, really two negatives from his highlight film. I couldn't really pull any negatives, man. So, to me, that's a good thing. You know, he's got a lot of pluses. He he honestly seems like a very uh, football smart, very football IQ type of guy. Yeah. Um, just the way he reads, the way he scans his eyes um, in, his, in his delivery and in his drop. Yeah, the kid looks like he knows where he's going with the ball. And, and that's something that's, that's hard to teach in a kid um, is to make pre-snap decisions. And, and especially in high school, you can really make those pre-snap decisions yeah. and go. Um, but, you know, it looks like he's reading a defense. He's taking in what he's seeing, and he's analyzing and getting the ball to the right people. So um, that's a huge plus. But uh, and with that, too, being able, what I saw a little bit could get him into trouble. This is next level type stuff, just like we're talking about. Just being careful of a full field scan. Yeah, you know, at the next level, that could get you into a lot of trouble. That mm-hmm. could get you into throws and guys coming across, making plays and, and picking you late, sort of speak. So I would just be careful of the full field scan like that. Um, but other than that, man, I, I I really like him. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I think I think he's a good I think he's a good player. You know, I, I I just really like his mechanics uh, in the pocket, man. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think Coach Smith and the staff got a really good player in him. You know, he's had he has a couple offers, uh, I'd say Kansas State, Cal. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it's uh, San Diego State. But... San Jose. I know San Jose State offered him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and just uh, seeing. And there was one more. Yeah, it might have been San Diego. I don't know. It, it Maybe it was a Mountain West. I can't really remember. But, um, you know, just looking at it. He and and you said his arm strength could improve, right? And I always look at it and maybe you know that's why I had to bring you on because in my eyes it, it looked pretty decent and maybe it is de- decent and maybe he has some work to do. But I would say the biggest thing is, especially with Oregon State, is they need to find ways to stretch the ball downfield, right? I think they have some great athletes, Isaiah Hodgins. They now have Josiah Iris. They have Trayvon Bradford. I mean, some of those guys, as you know, they're guys that we played with, right? And so. You know, they have some great talent. They just, you know, the more guys that they can get and the more of a deep threat they can have, I think it'll keep, you know, defensive coordinators kind of scratching their head because we've seen it. We've seen people stack the box with Oregon State, especially like Ohio State. They stack the box with Oregon State. And, you know, AP still ran for two 90-plus yard touchdowns, right? And and those are the kind of things that, okay, you stack the box, but then it's one-on-one on the outside. Right. And those kind of things. That's why I think they need to stretch the field more. And I really like the kid just in general. I think he has a little dog in him. Um, Just kind of like you said, he always looks in a way to make the right play, especially when he gets out of the pocket. You'll see a lot of guys 
as we already said, they'll just take off, right? They'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to try to go 50 yards, right? And you, and you're, you know, you hit it spot on. You don't really need that. You need a guy that, okay, is going to do just enough. And I loved when you said, just be, you know, just be <laughs> athletic enough, right? Because athletic if you're, enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's all I mean, you that's need. That's all it is at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's that really is because, man, you could if you could just get out of bounds, right? From there, you're. I mean, it's good. You you can pick up ten yards, get out of bounds, keep the play uh, or keep the drive going, things like that. I mean, granted, all of us can't be Daryl Garrettson and right take off sixty yards downfield when they're getting chased. But hey, man, no, that <laughs> the ain't kid's me. trying. That but... ain't me, man. That was not me. <laughs> not that, was, that was the other white guy. That was Ryan Nall back there going bonkers. Right? <laughs> oh man, that's great. Hey, Daryl, before we get you out of here, my man, um, I just want to ask you if you have a favorite football moment, maybe. Um, you know, for those who don't know, Daryl did play at Oregon State. He was absolutely phenomenal in my mind. I loved having you as a quarterback, my man. Um, but you played at Utah State as well. And I remember at Utah State, we watched your film, man, when you when we heard that you were transferring. And it was super fun. We watched it. And we watched your game. I, I think it was against Boise State, maybe. It was either Boise State or BYU. And I was like. It was B- yeah, it was the BYU game. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, who is this? We're getting this kid? You're lying. I was like, what? So. How about this? Before we get you out of here, give me your favorite football moment of all time, at least in college. Oh, man, you guys are going to think I'm crazy for this, but actually as as great as that game was and as the highest mountain, the highest cloud, cloud nine, cloud ten, it doesn't matter what it was, no matter how great that win felt going down and beating BYU the first time in 36 years, you know, I will say this, one of the the greatest football moments, and, and I've had some really good ones now, Marcus, but <laughs> the greatest football moment I think I had was that walk-off touchdown in overtime against Cal. Oh, man, yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, I lost my mind. And, and, <laughs> and, <the>, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the reason why that's so special to me is um, – you know, I think everybody knows on the team, uh, on the team, and not maybe not so much as, as the community of Oregon State, but um, me and Sean Harlow grew up best friends. We grew up together, had the same first grade class when we lived in Anaheim Hills, California, together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've uh, we've been best basically best friends since first grade. We were roommates at Oregon State. We've been in several ever. We've been inseparable ever since. I mean, shoot, the dude, the dude just bought a house 15 minutes from from my parents' house. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you man. know, we're always we're always around each other. But yeah. uh, what a lot of people don't know is that on that touchdown run, I actually cut off of his block, and his block is what opened me and jarred me loose for the touchdown. Man, and uh, and nobody knows that except except me. I mean, obviously the the coaches and stuff. Uh, obviously, you know the two coaches, yeah. uh, uh, the old line coach and, and McGive uh, was with us too. And and his dad, his dad was actually the first one that brought it up after the game. And uh, we, you know, we walk out. We're, we're hanging out with our family, and we're done with it. And afterwards, and his his dad, Pat Harlow, who was a you know a pretty pretty uh, uh, big NFL guy, comes up and he's sitting there and he goes. You know, uh, you know whose block you uh, you cut off of, <laughs> and, and and Sean walks up and Sean goes, 
Yeah, he cut off a of mine. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, Sean is one of my favorites for sure, bro. That dude bro, is one of my favorite people of all yeah, time, bro. That... I mean, you can't get a better guy than that dude. And and that was honestly, I went back and I watched film and Sure enough, he was the one that saved my ass that got me into the end zone, man. And yeah. I'll tell you what, like that was the great that was one of the greatest feelings I've had in 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 football, man. That yeah. is the greatest feeling I've had in football. I've never experienced anything like that. And for Beaver Nation, the way Beaver Nation went crazy and yeah. and everything, man, it, it was honestly it was one of the special most special moments in my life. Yeah, man, it it it's so special, but you know, Daryl this was fun, man. We're going to have to bring you back on. And so let's do this. And we haven't decided. I know we talked a little bit off air about it, but uh, maybe maybe a weekly thing is this this next level. You and I can, you know, get a kid, get some film, break it down. You give what you think. I give what I think. We'll, we'll make it work, but we'll definitely have to get you back on again, my man. And so I appreciate it. My quarterback, Daryl, man, you're the man. Everybody, uh, make sure to give Daryl a follow. Daryl, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter handle is at D underscore Garretson and uh, Instagram is just Daryl Garretson. So I'm a, I'm a pretty easy person to, to find. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm telling you, man, we'll bring you back on, whether it's uh, during the season, when we're in this recruiting phase, whatever it is, we'll bring you back on because, man, we just we got to bring you back like old times, of course. <laughs> yeah, we got to, man. I, I, I love being on and, you know, obviously I'll do anything for you, man. Hey. Daryl, thank you so much for hopping on, my man. We really appreciate it. All righty, everybody. Welcome back. We are on the damn hotline. Our guest, the newest member of the 2020 recruiting class for Oregon State University football, Ben Goldbrinson out of Newberry Park. How you doing, quarterback? QB1? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Adam. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, our pleasure. I'm doing great. I'm up here in Central Oregon right now. It is beautiful outside. How's it down in L.A.? Could it be better? I don't know. Yeah, great weather outside, uh, a little cloud cover, but yeah. Perfect. Cool. Well, hey, I know many people have already welcomed you to Beaver Nation. I wanted to send a personal uh, welcome on behalf of Beaver Blitz as well. Um, you know, your commitment created a lot of excitement uh, within the uh, Beaver Nation. Um, what kind of led you up to committing on your official visit then? Yeah, so um, Oregon State, I, before the official visit, I was had a really high interest in them, and the visit just blew me away. Um, I think something that makes this Oregon State uh, – I guess quarterback uh, spot for this 2020 class like really enticing is that I feel like I, I fit in really well with the offense that Coach Lindgren has. He kind of describes it as like a pro-style type of offense that likes to play fast. And uh, while I was up there, he was uh, taking me through the offense, kind of kind of telling me how like my skill set would complement really well. I feel like I, I have a pretty good chance to go in there and you know compete, uh, play early. It's just an opportunity to play in the Pac-12. I love the area itself of Oregon. Um, it, it's a lot different from California, but in a really good way. I like all the trees around and the mountains everywhere. And um, I just feel like the coaching staff in general, they're really genuine. I feel like I have great relationships, uh, you know, with Coach Smith, Coach Lindgren, and everyone else there. So, yeah, right. it was just a phenomenal visit and couldn't be happier right now to be a beaver. Definitely. 
Awesome. Um, you know, it's quite the, the quarterback room there as far as coaches with Coach Lindgren and Coach Smith, obviously. Coach Smith being uh, an Oregon State alum and having taken the, the program to the heights that he did as a player. Um, how did they kind of describe you? Did they make any comparisons to anybody that they may have coached or themselves as a player? How did they describe your game to you? Um, I didn't really get any comparisons, but they just kind of said how, like, this this type of offense that they have going right now, they they believe it really fits well into what I do as a quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm more of like a pocket type of passer. I feel like I can make, like, any throw on the field. And I, I, I still have some mobility to me. You know, I'm a throw-first guy, but I feel like I can make plays when they need to be made, and I feel like it's just an offense that really really fits well for me. Perfect. Cool. So you're able to, to uh, be up there on your official visit with Zariah Beeson, who also committed. Um, what were your conversations about with Zariah, and what was your general impressions of him? Uh, I I loved uh, you know just spending time with Zariah, I interact with each other, spend a lot of time up there. I feel like uh, I feel like we have like the same passion for football. I think we're just two hardworking guys that you know. Love to play the game. I, we were, I was actually able to throw with him a little bit up there, uh, just just me and him, just by ourselves, and it was pretty fun. Uh, you know, just getting that QB wide receiver connection going, and you know, I, I feel like we can do pretty big things together going forward. That's awesome. I was going to ask you if you guys got to uh, toss it around or not, but hey, that's yeah. cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So what 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 do you have on the docket moving forward? Are you gonna try to make it back up in the summer? Are you gonna do some camps down in uh, the southern area or SoCal down there? Uh, I don't really plan on doing any camps. Um, like there's like these, I guess like smaller regional camps at these community colleges, but I, I don't plan on doing any of those. But I think we're we're gonna try and make it up for a game. Um, I think we're definitely gonna go to the UCLA one because that's probably like 45 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and make it up to like a home game. And then yeah, that's pretty much like what we have planned for as, as far as events going forward. Definitely. Do you have any goals for this upcoming fall playing there at Newberry Park? Um, things that you'd like to achieve personally and as a team? Um, just as a team, I, you know, hmm, let's see. You know, just, just win as many games as we can. We're in a, Pretty competitive league over here. I uh, went to Marmani League. I mm-hmm. think just uh, you know, just competing in all those games and because we're, we're definitely going to be tested as far as the opponents we're playing. And I think just giving it our all and competing in those games, I think it'd be awesome to get one of those. Definitely. And you guys are in the middle of uh, your spring camp for then right now with practices and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. How's mm-hmm. that going? Yeah. Yeah, it's going great. Uh, I think we're. Just about to finish up our third week of spring ball, and then uh, the month of June is when we'll start really getting into like seven-on-seven tournaments. Then we have like passing league twice a week, and then we have a tournament like every weekend of June. So yeah, it's gonna Dang. start heating up pretty quickly. Definitely staying busy, staying busy. Yep. Cool. So um, you know, a big thing about uh, recruiting, it seems like right now, is kind of that peer-to-peer recruiting. It sounds like you know you and Zariah were able to hit it off on your visit. Is there anybody down in your neck of the woods that uh, uh, you're interested in establishing a, a deeper relationship with in hopes of attracting them to Oregon State with you? 
Yeah, I'm still working on that, but I've been in talks with uh, Jake Overman, the Servite tight end. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to get some names, uh, see who's who's like the the top targets that Oregon State's trying to get, and then still working on that. Got to get in contact with him. But uh, the funny thing is, uh, I'll be fishing with uh, Ryan Frankie and uh, Michael Earhart. They're like uh, the 2019 commits. Oh yeah, Oregon State. They, they they live in my area, so we're, we're gonna go fishing together this weekend. But yeah. Nice. I've gotten to talk to Ryan and Michael a lot over the uh, the past year, it seems. Um, they're great uh, young men. I know a lot of people are excited for them to get up here this year, too. So Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely. Well, hey, Ben, thank you so much for hopping on the Damn Hotline here on the Damn Recruiting Podcast. Um, I appreciate it. Again, congratulations and welcome to Beaver Nation. Uh, we'll definitely be following you as you progress through your senior year. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for having me. Of Go course. Beavers. Go Beavs, that's right. Now, joining us on the damn hotline is the one and only, a.k.a. my boss, Angie Machado. Angie, how you doing? I'm good. I, I, I think you guys are just nice to me because I'm your boss. I always just have to throw in that you're, yeah, you're my boss because, you know, I don't want to get fired. And then <laughs> if I got fired, I wouldn't really know what to do. And then I'd probably, I don't know, I have to pick up a different career. Yeah, I, you're, I, you're on <laughs> are both skating on thin ice, both of you. I, I, hey, I think I'm tenured. It might take a little bit more to get rid of me. <laughs> so what's up, Angie? How you doing? You're good? I'm good. I'm ready for summer. Yeah. And uh, and you've got a couple commits. So, you did. You know, it, it's been a while, hey. and it, it's actually, we've seen so much. It's been momentum, I think, this week. At least on Beaver Blitz, we've seen momentum. Hey, I think it is. I mean, you know, we sat on or the, the Beavs have sat on John Miller as their lone commit for, you know, since December. It was it was time we started talking about some more future Beavs. Yeah, I just yeah, and, that, and I think, oh, yeah. Oh, take go it, ahead. No, no, take it no, away, Angie. Let's go. No, go. I want to hear what you had to say because you <laughs> broke down their film for us. Yeah, well, I was just going to say I think it's uh, I think it's big because like we were saying earlier in the podcast, Angie, it's, you know, it kind of you hope that this is kind of a domino effect in a way that guys you know, who are pretty much highly recruited are in, you know, and they have offers from other places. They, you know, they see that Oregon state picks up a guy like Beeson or a guy like Ben. And and you kind of think, okay, so what is, what is about Oregon state that these kids are interested in, right? What, what did coach Smith and his staff do to kind of get these guys and lock them in? So I think that's really big because like Adam and I were saying, it's kind of like a domino effect. You hope that these guys will now, start going for other guys that Oregon State might be after or some other people that they know who Oregon State may be offered. Just in general, kind of you hope that it just they things start falling in line because especially after the rough week that Oregon State had last week um, with two of their top guys going to Cal, now you can kind of take a step back, take a deep breath and say, okay, things are still working out for us. We'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, and especially when you look at quarterback, and, and I always like to, to say that the corner, the quarterback is kind of a cornerstone of your class, and it's a guy that, especially on offense, you can build the rest of the class around, especially if he's a, you know, if he's energetic and, and will peer recruit for you. Uh, I think the Beavs got that with Goldbrands, and he is in Southern California. He is connected and already reaching out to some of the Oregon State com- or, uh, targets just to kind of talk to him about getting up for a visit and um, I know for a fact that he and Beeson were both on their visit together and, you know, talked a lot about playing together and, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, that kind of relationship. 
Yeah, I, I think really building on that relationship that they were able to establish over the weekend was huge. Um, getting that quarterback wide receiver relationship building as early as possible, I think that could pay big dividends for the Beavs on the field and in recruiting. Um, you look at you know Goldbrunson getting out there. He's he, in talking with Lucas. I know he singled out Jake Overman, a tight end, so he's really looking for those those pass catchers, the the safety valve with uh, Overman to get him into the fold, and he'll be visiting later next month. Um, I think it's huge to get that presence down in SoCal established now, and then with Beeson kind of have him out there as well, helping out on the recruiting trail, um, you know, talking to some other guys, maybe not. I know there's a couple kids down in Texas right now that the Bees are looking really hard at and pushing hard for, but also kind of building – um, inroads down there for future classes as well. I think, it, you know, getting a kid, two kids of those caliber um, in Goldbrunson and Beeson is huge. Yeah, on the absolutely. Trail. Well, so here's a question for you both. Uh, just in general, how big do you think this is for, you know, for the Beavs? Because I've said it plenty of times, you know, the whole domino effect, hoping that it kind of just builds off of that. But I, I think you guys could probably take it a little deeper. Uh, Angie, if you want, I could start with you just – Really, what does this mean for the Beavers? Is it, you know, kind of a confidence builder? Is it, okay, taking that next step finally? Or is it finally like, okay, now this is Smith's staff, this is Smith's team, and we can get out of that dark era that we had, you know, these past couple seasons with recruiting. Do you think it's finally time that we're moving on? Do you think this is kind of a a turning point for the Beavers? I I definitely do. And, you know, we've heard a lot. We've talked about it on on the Dan podcast about just the talent differential, right? We talked about, you know, Oregon State was building teams that, with a lot of players that didn't have other other Power 5 offers. And this, uh, Zariah Beeson, for example, is Coach Smith, as of right now, the top-rated recruit that Coach Smith has has recruited to Oregon State. So, um, you know, that's big. It's showing that he is making strides. I mean, if you look at Zariah Beeson's offer sheet, I don't know if you guys have looked at it, but, you know, LSU, Mississippi State, Florida, Nebraska – um, ASU, Colorado, Utah, the, the kid had over 20 offers. So, um, you know, this is this is not somebody that, you know, Oregon State was his only opportunity. Same same with Goldbranson. Um, you know, you have Arizona State was in the mix. Cal was in the mix. Oregon State. Um, and Washington State was keeping an eye on him. And, you know, goodness, Mike Leach has a pretty good eye for quarterbacks. So yeah. he's looking around. You know, that's, that's a pretty good um, validation of talent right there. Um, so I think you know, like you said, it's it's the it's the inroads in Texas. It's it's the building talent. It's it's the depth building for the future, and um, really just getting things started. Because you know, I think if, if kids see that other highly ranked recruits are you know choosing Oregon State, then it makes them potentially open their eyes and, and look ahead. Now, do the Beavers still need to win some games? Yes, I mean that has to happen. But um, to get these two commitments, really could I mean. There's no visitors this weekend, but then there's a couple weekends in June that they'll be hosting some more official visitors. It really could add some momentum heading into then the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Adam, you know, I, I want to ask you the same thing, just kind of your thoughts. So go on ahead, my man. Let's tear it up. Yeah, I think, you know, building off of what Angie said, I think she hit, you know, hit it on the head there. But I think the other factor that should be con- you know, considered right now is kind of the timing of it. You know, you're coming off of the the kind of downhill or down feeling of Alfieri, who, you know, for all intents and purposes was 
silent commit or whatever you want to label it as, um, to Oregon State, kind of that down feeling, and then all of a sudden you're picking up two kids that next weekend within, you know, calendar week, um, adding two kids with the, the, the profiles that Goldbrunson and Beeson have is really changes the tra- trajectory um, of their recruiting right now. Um, you also look at, you know, in regards to the timing of it, it also, you know, Coach Smith was kind of getting taken through the coals and, you know, oh, he's not able to recruit because he doesn't have the social media presence. He comes right back out and retaliates or, you know, comes back at those naysayers with two commitments from two highly recruited kids. So I think the timing of this is, is extremely beneficial for the program as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of last question for you guys, just in general, um, I don't really know if we can really pinpoint this. I mean, I know I can't, and that's why, you know, I'm reaching out to you guys. What do you kind of think is this next step, right? So you get these two big commits. And so, you, I mean, obviously you hope that you can go out and get more big commits. But do you guys, you know, I mean, I, to be honest, I have all the confidence in the world now. You know, even for a second, I was like, okay, well, why isn't this working, right? What is, what are they selling? What's the selling point for Oregon State now? But it seems like, obviously, it, it finally broke through and worked. So where do you guys think this next step is? Do you think they, they continue to build off this? Do you think we're going to land some more major pieces? Kind of just, if anything, just fill me in. Well, I'll jump in. I I think, the I mean, offensive line is going to be crucial, you know, going forward. But what this does, especially on the offensive side, is with Beeson in the mix, you know, a, a talented, highly ranked wide receiver, it takes some of the pressure off. Um, and so now Oregon State can not only recruit maybe guys that they have a, a better shot with, per se, but they can also kind of shoot for the stars and go after some guys that maybe they it would be more of a stretch and, mm-hmm. and, and work that angle a little bit more um, just because they have the safety net already with Beeson in play. You know, I'd like to see the Beavers get another big-bodied receiver. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a question in the lodge this week about – um, Casey Filkins and, you know, Zariah Beeson. And, and, you know, honestly, I, I just never really thought Filkins, you know, Oregon State doesn't need another 5'10", five, 5'11 five, receiver. They need that mm-hmm. six-foot, six-foot-plus receiver. Um, so, you know, Beeson, I think, is right at 6'1". And, yeah. um, you know, if they could go out then and get an, a, like a 6'4", potentially. Um, you know, like, it gives them a little breathing room, I guess. So now they can really also focus in. I, I'd love to see them focus more on some offensive linemen, um, I know one of my top guys I'm watching is Aiden Finney and uh, a, a really good player. Levi Rogers is another offensive lineman I'm watching closely. Adam probably has a couple more that he's going to be watching, but um, yeah, I mean, it gives them just that breathing room and it's, and they can use those guys. Now peer recruiting is so huge and it, and you don't necessarily even see it, you know, on social media, you won't necessarily see guys reaching out to players, but they do it through DMs and, and texts and everything else. So um, the peer recruiting is a huge aspect, just kind of like what we saw when these guys committed using former Beavers. You know, mm-hmm. when you see a Brandon Cook, um, Marcus Wheaton, Johnny Hecker come out and congratulate these guys um, publicly, that's, you know, that's a, another form of peer recruiting. But um, the peer recruiting that these guys are doing with other members, potentially of their class, is going to be big. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely offensive line is going to be one of the big targets moving forward. 
top of the list for me as well, Aiden Finney and Levi Rogers. Um, Beavs are in a good spot for Finney as he's kind of definitely taken that next step in his uh, recruitment and picking up more offers. Beavs are in first on him. Levi Rogers is a four-star up out of the Seattle area who, they again, they were in early on there as well. Um, big-bodied receivers. I got my eye on uh, Jameer Shepard out of Palo Alto. He's 6'2", but he plays a lot bigger than his size, I think. Um, teammates of 2019 quarterback signee preferred walk-on uh, Jackson Crisp. So there's a connection there. He was up on campus um, for spring camp. I think he's one to watch as well. And then, you know, if I don't know if they're going to add a second receiver or possibly a third as part of this class. But definitely Jake Overman's one to watch as well. His recruitment's just blown up over the past month. Um, we're expecting him to be up on campus again here soon. Um, and hopefully the Beavs will look to kind of push to seal the deal. He was in, at Vanderbilt last weekend on an official visit. Um, they, those are kind of my top four offensive targets right now. I think that's kind of where they're gravitating as far as momentum right now. Defensively, I'm watching, you know, Junior Walling out of Salem. Um, I think the Beavs are really pushed. Kaiser, sorry. Ky- Kaiser, oh, McNary. Come sorry, on. sorry, sorry. Miss Celtic Us over McNary there. kids have to stick together. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. But definitely he's one who's on the uh, on my radar as well as, you know, definitely warming up to the Beavs. He's a uh, – uh, legacy athlete is down to play for the bees as well. So um, those are kind of my top guys right now who I'm keeping an eye on. Of course, you want more insight. The place to be is inside the lodge at Beaver Blitz. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up our guest on the damn hotline. Angie, boss man, boss lady, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Anytime for you too. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. 